Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoyed the message. God's on the move and it's exciting to see God moving, but also he wants us to move. And so last week we talked about the, the, the lepers that were out there in, in, the, in the street. And they just said, why stand we here until we die? Uh, that's a good question. Why stay stuck? Why die where you were born? Why stay stuck in the same place that you've been in? Why not make a move? Uh, if things are difficult where you're at, keep moving. Uh, as the old country song, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't stop there. Don't stay there, man. You, you're going to need to. You're going to need to make a move. And so we're all moving together, and I'm inviting you to make a move with us. But today I want to talk about something that God was showing me uh, this week with regard to movement. Um, we're going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 17. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, I'm going to. I'm, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, today. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, it's up here on the screen. Uh, but, but I want to read from this, this pretty interesting scenario that happened in the book of Acts. And um, I feel like just as I, was, as I was meditating and praying, this passage just jumped out to me. And so I turned to it and I, I feel like this is part of moving. This is part of the movement um, that we all need to experience. Um, and it's, it's a part of movement that I think is a reality that we really need to understand because uh, if we're not careful, we'll focus too much um, on our own initiative, our own volition, our own will, um, or we'll focus too much on what God is doing out there uh, and not enough in, in terms of the movement that's happening with us. And so let's look here at uh, Acts 17, um, verse 22. It says, um, so Paul was standing in the midst of Areopagus, and um, he, said to them, he said to them, he said, men of, of Athens... I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription. It says, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Read that again. He himself gives to all mankind. doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a Buddhist. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. And I love verse 27, that they should seek God. You were born at the time period that you were born in, in order that you might seek God. You were born, you were alive in 2018 in order that you might seek God. You were born where you were born. You were born in North America. Those of you that were born here in North America, honey, you were born in the Southern Hemisphere of uh, uh, New Zealand. There's a, little, there's a little piece of land out there floating around in the water that she was born on. 
that could fit like 10 of them in Texas, but, but you, were, you were born where you were born in order that you might see God. You were born with the skin color that you were born with in order that you might see God. You were born with the, with the, to the parents with the amount of money that they had in order that you might seek God. Whatever the situation is that you were born, some of us were born into wealth, some of us were born into poverty, some of us were born uh, different skin colors, some of us were born in different geographical locations. I was born up in Michigan, um, but I got here as soon as I could. Some of us were born in Texas, some of us were born in Austin, somebody born in Austin around here, like one of us, one, one, one person born in Austin. We've got two people born in Austin, come on, and they're still here, we've got three, this is amazing. And then the rest of us from California, it's just so wonderful to have you here in Austin, Texas. All the Californians are like, what, 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 I, I don't get it, I don't get it. Chicago, some of us were born in Chicago, that's right, and I'm sorry for your teams, but uh, some of us were born. Yes, wherever you were born, you were born in that location in order that you might seek God. Sometimes we wonder, why was I born in, with this difficulty, with this impairment, with this problem, with this skin color, with this, with this situation? Well, it was so that you might seek God. And I love this next line. He says, in the hope that they might feel their way toward him. This is how we find God. We feel our way toward him. I think the King James says we gro groping in the darkness. We are feeling our way toward God. You always, you always feel it before you find it. This is something I've been talking to the staff about. You always feel it before you find it. In other words, you start feeling a deficiency before you go looking for the answer. So, so that's why it's pointless to stand on the street corner with a big sign of, of you know, you're, you're going to hell. Because, because, because if people aren't feeling it, then they're not going to find it. You have to wait till people are feeling it. So you have to be aware of your coworkers and your family members. And as you're talking to them, you're always seeking as to what they're feeling because when they start feeling it, that's when they find it. You didn't come to church till you started feeling it. You started feeling that the kids needed to be in church and, and that your family needed to be in church. You were, you were out doing your own thing until you started feeling it. Now, I know knowledge is good and reading cr good Christian books is great and sermons are helpful, but man, if you're not feeling, like when, when you start feeling it, you'll, 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 you'll listen to any old sermon, you'll read any old book and it'll speak to you. I mean, even Caleb might actually encourage you when you're feeling it, you know what I'm saying? And, but this is how we find God. We, we feel our way toward him in order that they might feel their way toward him, toward him that they, that, that they might find him. They feel their way and then they find. You feel first, and then you find what you're feeling. Yet, he says, he is actually not far from each one of us. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't say he's right next to you, though. There's a little bit of a journey for some of us, but he says he's not far. It's not impossible for you to get to him. Wherever you were born, wherever you started out, whatever journey you've taken on your life, he's not far. He's not too far from each and every one of us. And then there's a quotation here. He says in verse 28, and this is where I want to focus today. He says, for, and then this is in quotes, in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, quotation marks, for we are indeed his offspring. So I want to focus on that today. In him we live and move and have our being, for as some of your own poets have said, we are indeed 
his offspring. Those three things right there that I want to focus on today. In him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. So we're talking about move. And so that's why this scripture just jumped out at me because I'm super deep theologically. And when I thought of in him we move, I said, yes, this is, this is all about movement. But, but part, of, part of what he's saying, though, he starts off by saying in him we live. In him we live, not just we move, but in him we live. And that, that word live means to be born or to be birthed or to come alive. It's not just simply to exist. The final word means to exist. We have our being. That's just the plural form of the word are. We are. In, in, in him we, we live, in him we move, and in him we exist. In him we so, so when he says we live, he's drawing a distinction between simply sucking air and actually living a full life, an abundant life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what he means when he says, in him we live. In him we, 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 we have abundance. In him we have fullness of life. In him we have real life. And that's really true because before you came to Jesus, before I came to Jesus, really the Bible says we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sins. And when we came to him, he made us alive. And all of the things that made us feel alive before we came to him were just cheap imitations of the actual life that we find when we are inside of him. It was like, it was like, it was like watching a commercial of Whataburger versus eating a Whataburger. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. There's a difference between, between dreaming about being in the ocean and actually being in the broad expanse of the the ocean there's a difference and so and so before we came to Christ we were dead but in him we live in him we come alive everything that comes in him starts coming alive your emotions start coming alive some some folks haven't cried in years because you shut yourself off emotionally but as soon as you come into Jesus like Romeo back there as soon as you come into Jesus when he starts moving on your heart you can't keep the tears back because your emotions come alive you feel again you're alive Alive again. You don't have to shut yourself off and kill kill off parts of yourself. You can you can you can open up again. You come alive. You come alive again relationally. You start you start actually sharing with people. You start actually opening up your heart because you're already found a secure place in Him. You're not afraid of rejection from other people. So you can risk you can risk the rejection from other people when you have found life in Him. In Him we come alive. In Him and this is the purpose of the church to bring dead people to life. We're not here to make people act better, dress better, talk better. We're not here to clean up your language. We are here to bring you to life. We want you to come alive. When Jesus stood at the, at the gate, at the doorway of death, and Lazarus was dead and in the tomb, he said, Lazarus, come forth. This is what he does for each and every one of us. He stands at, the, at our graveyard and he calls forth dead, dead emotions, dead relationships, relationships, dead visions, dead dreams, dead hopes, dead, dead, dead life inside of you. It comes back to life. In him, we come alive. In him, we come alive. And last week, eight people came alive in him right here in this room when they decided to come out of their grave. And that's what we do. We bring dead people to life. This is what Jesus does. When you come in him and you say, well, 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 I, I feel dead. Well, you need to get in him. If you will come into him, everything that was dead when it comes into Jesus comes alive. And it's an unfolding. It's not always an instantaneous. 
It's not always. And Jesus called out to Lazarus and he said, come forth. And, and Lazarus didn't just jump out with his Nikes on. And it, was, it, was, it was a process. They started hearing some commotion and things bouncing around in there. And they're like, what's going on? And then slowly Lazarus comes out all still tied up in his grave clothes. Just because you're alive doesn't mean you don't have some grave clothes left on you that other people need to come around you and help free you of some bad habits. But it's a difference of getting free of your grave clothes versus actually being dead. Because when you come alive, you feel him. When you come alive, you feel his spirit. When you come alive, you feel conviction. When you come alive, you feel the right way that you ought to go. And this is what God wants to do for each and every one of us. We're dead before we come to Jesus. But when we come into him, we come alive. It is in him that we come alive. Jesus stands at our grave and he calls forth for us to come alive. And what's interesting though, the quotation mark. So, so Paul is, is quoting in him we live. See the quotation mark. Paul's quoting something. And what he's quoting is one of their own poets. Uh, this poem, I think this particular poem was written like 150 years before Paul stood up and preached. Which, by the way, this, I love, I love the Bible. I, I love digging into the Bible because it helps me get free of religious nonsense. And, and so, and so because, because if you're in the church for long enough, you hear all kinds of weird stuff. And, um, and I, know, I know some people have a, uh, a personal conviction, and I would never want you to go against your conscience. Don't sin against your conscience. But some people have a personal conviction that you shouldn't celebrate Christmas or Easter um, or other holidays that have pagan origins. You might have seen stuff posted on, you know, social media and things, and, and people, pe people share that. And it is true that as you start studying some of these holidays, you see that the early Christians never celebrated Christmas. Um, they said that it was, it was, it was pagan, that, that, that only a prideful person would celebrate the day he was born. That's what, the, that's what the early church said. Now, they celebrated the day that people died. So the funeral was a, was a celebration because you were going home. You were going on to heaven. So they never celebrated anybody's birthday, much less Jesus's. They celebrated Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, but they didn't celebrate his birthday. They, the early church did not celebrate Christmas. Some of you are like, really? No way. <laughs> Come to church, get messed up. Santa Claus isn't real either, people. I'll just tell you that right now. I'll just drop it on you. I mean, unless you're a kid, then he's real to you. But, you know, I mean... I was, I was six years old and my parents were walking me through J.C. Penney's and somebody, it was Christmas season, somebody stopped me and said, oh, aren't you looking forward to Santa coming to your house? And they tell me, I just looked up at him and said, no, is he coming to your house? Because my parents were real honest with me, you know, we believe in honesty. But anyway, I mean, whatever you do with your kids, that's, that, that's on you. You, you. you get to live with what you raise, so you, you go ahead and deal with that. But, but, but for us, I mean, you know, like, like, it's true. The early church didn't celebrate Christmas. It really wasn't until Constantine sort of tried to blend uh, Christianity with Roman paganism that you started celebrating the 25th day of December, which is an important day in Roman paganism. And also Easter is also a Roman pagan word. And so it, it is a little weird how, or ironic or strange, how all of a sudden all of these Christian holidays looked a whole lot like these pagan holidays. And it is true, as you celebrate those things, the wreaths, I mean, they all had symbolism of cutting down a tree, bringing it in your house, decorating it, all had pagan symbolism. And so some people, I mean, in their conscience they, and in their heart, they can't celebrate it because of that. And that's fine. 
but, but, but be careful not to like put that on other people though. Be careful not to judge other people based on your personal conscience. Because if you do that, then you're going to have a really hard time with scripture. Because this scripture that we know and love, in him we live and move and have our being, this scripture is a ripoff. Paul ripped it. He, he, he plagiarized straight from this poem that was written about the worship of Zeus. Let me read this little stanza. They fashioned for a tomb for you. This is, this is not on your screen, but this is, this is from that poem. They fashioned a tomb for you, speaking of Zeus, the Greek god. They fashioned a tomb for you, holy and high one. Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, idle bellies, which, by the way, is also quoted in Titus. Isn't that weird? The same, the same pagan song is... Anyway, it's interesting. But you are not dead. You live and abide forever. For in you we live and move and have our being. It's, it's, it's worship to Zeus. This is not talking about Jesus. This is pagan origin. And Paul says, and it's, it's so interesting that Paul is talking to these pagans in the middle of their pagan worship area with all these idols, and he quotes one of their pagan worship songs. And he says, look, I've been listening to, to Drake too. I know exactly what you're talking about. And let me just tell you, he is anointed. Let me just tell you, he is onto something. He got the name wrong. It's not Zeus, but it, but, but it is the one I'm telling you about. So, so I, I guess what I'm beginning to realize is that when somebody says something has pagan origin, they've forgotten the fact that all things originate with God, that Satan did, hasn't created anything. He's just copied. There is no such thing as pagan origin. It's all from God, and all he does is redeem it. He buys it back. The only thing that Satan is the father of is a lie. That's what Jesus said. He's a, the devil is a liar. And that's all. That's the only thing he's got. That's the only thing he's made. But everything else, this thing right here, in him we live and move and have our being. Paul says, yeah, it's not, I mean, I, I know this is written about Zeus, but actually this is talking about Jesus. Actually, this is talking about the one true God who created all things. And it's also interesting, the other poem that he quotes when he says, when he says, for indeed, as your poets say, we are all his offspring. That's a, that's a quote from a poem that was written about 300 years prior to this moment. One of the most famous pagan poems in antiquity. And I love the way that that poem starts. You, you, you really ought to Google it. Just Google, just, just, just Google that line and see the pagan origin. It's a beautiful poem. But at the very beginning of the poem, he says, he says, from Zeus, that's the, the Greek god, from Zeus, let, let us begin. Him do we mortals never leave unnamed. Full of Zeus are all the streets and all the marketplaces of men. Full is the sea and havens thereof. Always we have all need of Zeus, for we are also his offspring. And I love, I love how it starts there. For with Zeus, let us begin. The one who we mortals never leave unnamed. And yet Paul grabbed the altar that says to the unnamed or unknown God and he tied in this poem with it and he's saying, I, he's saying, let me tell you, let me tell you who you've left unnamed. You've named all these other things and it hasn't helped you. It hasn't brought healing. It hasn't brought deliverance for you. But let me give you the name that is above every other name. And he starts talking to them about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But he uses a poem that's straight up worship to Zeus. And he says, look, they were on to something. They got the name wrong. It's not Zeus, it's Jesus. They got the name wrong. You know what I'm saying? They just got this off, just off just a little bit. 
It just missed it just a little bit. It's just, it's just a little bit. It's close, man. It's close. But I, I love it. And it, just, and it just frees me up to say, yes, Christmas has pagan origins. Yes, Easter is not in the Bible. And it has a bunny and an egg. It has nothing to do with Jesus. But at the same time, God is always redeeming stuff. God is always pulling stuff that the enemy stole. He's always bringing it back to his church and blessing his church with it. And he's using it to reach out to these people. He's using it as evangelism. And he says, look, you know these lyrics. You know this song. You sing it in your temple to your fake God. But let me tell you what it's really talking about. In him, we come alive. You haven't come alive in Zeus, but you've come alive in God. When you come to Jesus, you come alive. And it's, and, it's, and it's a juxtaposition, though. It, I believe that the original poet was noticing sort of the irony that the Cretans, who he calls all liars, the Cretans had said that Zeus was dead. And they created a tomb for him, and they, they said that Zeus was dead. And the, the poet was noting the irony that the Cretans thought Zeus had died when really it was Zeus who was giving the Cretans life. He was noting the irony, it's the, it's the strangeness. He said, in him we live. You're saying that he died, but it's in him that we actually come alive. And, 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 I, and, even, and, and even, even today, it's strange. It's, it's an odd thing when people say that, 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 that God is dead, as Nietzsche said. But the truth is, it's in him that we come alive. You can't kill life. Life doesn't die. And if he is the source of life, that this is a strange, brutal irony for you if you believe that God has died, if you believe that hope has died, if you believe that life has died. It's a strange, brutal irony for the Cretans. And at the same time, I believe this is also true for us today, that it's in him that we come alive. And he is the only one that can bring us to life. But then he says it is in him that we move. And so we want to move. We want to move forward. We want to move closer to God. We want to move as a family, as a church. We want to Actually, get our two other air conditioners over there. Come on, somebody. We want to get our second restroom in once the permit's clear. That's going to be awesome. Have a ladies and a men's. Um, we want to move. We want to, we, we want to move personally. We want to move as, as a people. We want to move as, a, as, as individual families. And how do we do? We move in him. And as I was reading this in the original language, I, I, I always do that. I always start from the original language, from the Greek. In him we we come alive, in him we move, and in him we exist. But when I, when I, when I was reading it, I noticed something was very weird because uh, the word moved, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's in the passive voice. So, so uh, most of the time when he says when in him we come alive, that's active voice, meaning the subject is doing the acting. But when he said in him we move, it's passive, meaning the subject, like you and I, are being acted upon by an outside force. So technically, it doesn't say in him we move, it says in him we are moved. In him we are moved. And that changes things a little bit for me. Because I'm always, as I said, I'm always putting the impetus on me. I need, I need to move. And sometimes that's true. But what, what Paul is quoting here, he doesn't say in him we, we make moves. He says in him we are moved. We are moved by him. When we come into him, we are moved. And, and so and the, the, the difference is kind of subtle, but it's, but, it's, but it's pretty important. In him we are moved. And, it's, and it's, he's, he's coming from the poem. 
And so once again, you got to study the poem to kind of understand what he's talking about. But, but, but the poem where, where he says we are all his offspring, he's talking about Zeus, that poem is actually a poem on astrology. It's about the cosmos, the whole rest. There's like 120 some verses that you can read on Google. And it's all about this planet and that planet and that solar system and this system. And, the, and he's trying to explain the cosmos. And it's, and it's in the context of a galactic sort of concept, the Milky Way. It's in the concept of, of planetary systems that he says we are moved. In him, we are moved moved and uh and 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 so this is this lines up with something i was reading just this week the reasons for the seasons i don't know if you've ever seen this but this is one of our homeschool books my wife homeschools our kids um does a great job with them every single day i'm thankful for that but i got home a little early on monday and i was sitting there in our living room and i was still so excited about sunday and just what god was doing and i was sitting there on the couch and i saw this on the bookshelf the reasons for the seasons and i said come on somebody that's what i'm talking about it's uh, that's why they <laughs> that's why they don't do reality television series on preachers because it's so boring we get fired up about about this you know it's like whoo all right that's what i'm talking so i got it and i'm like man this is gonna be my sermon this next sunday the reasons for the seasons because it rhymes you know and it says seasons so that's just good for church i mean church is all about seasons and rhyming and so i, I grabbed this and i was but be, you know obviously like like before i actually opened it i sort of got thinking you know well what are the reasons so there's really only one reason and so I was like well okay let's see this and so and so and so what you do is you open this up in the first like few pages it's all about this kind of stuff right here the relationship of the earth to the sun those of you that haven't been through first grade uh, uh, <laughs> uh, physics or whatever this is you you got <laughs> first grade physics it's been a while since I've been in first grade and so I was like, well, yeah, the relationship of the earth and the sun. Then I turned to the last page, right? And the last page just tells you the re uh, earth and its many relationships to the sun are the reasons for the seasons. Boom. Didn't have to read the whole book. I just read the last page. That's what I'm talking That's how I got through college. That's how I got through college right there. <laughs> just give me that last page. I don't need all that pictures and stuff. Just tell me. Just, just you know, come on. The sound bite. Give me a sound bite. But then all the other pages, all these other, I was like, what are all these pages for? My kids having to read all these other pages. And so I started trying to figure out, well, all the other pages are all about the different seasons. Like it's about spring, summer, you know, fall, winter. It's all, which, which we don't have in Texas, but you know, the, but you know, but for those of us that live in different parts of the world, it's like, it's all about those seasons, describing the seasons, but not talking about the reason. The reason is very simple. The reason is just the, the, the location of the earth with respect to the sun. The fact that the earth is on the, a little axis helps. And the earth is spinning around in circles on its axis, meanwhile going around the sun in an elliptical pattern, which is kind of like an elongated, it's like a circle basically with little curves on the edge. And, and, and it's, it's moving around. And so it's moving, the earth is moving, that's the reason for the seasons. 
And so as I got thinking about that, I got thinking about all the kinds of people that we're pastoring just right here in this room, folks that aren't in this room, folks that are on vacation today, folks that were in the ER this morning. Uh, I, I'm getting messages and praying for people. Everybody's in these different seasons. They're in, they're in so many different seasons. And, and, and they're always like wondering, like, what's the reason for this? Like, why am I going through this? Why am I stuck here? Why am I trying to get that? Why am I excelling here? Why am I sad and sorrowful here? There's all these different seasons of the soul. And I'm trying to pastor people through this. And I pick up this kid's book. And, and the kid's book tells me the reasons for the seasons is the location of the earth with regard to the sun. And I'm thinking, that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes like if you're in church, people start talking about seasons. It's, all, it's almost like, like you, you sort of decide like what season you want. You know, you, you kind of like, you like pick a season, you know, it's like going to Vegas. You just kind of pull the little slot thing and you just try to get the seed, the right season. And you're always trying to change your season or move from one season to another season. But according to the kids book, the seasons are determined by, by the earth's location to the sun. You got no, I have no, we can't do anything about that cannot do anything about the season that we're in because it's something much bigger than us. We are being moved. We are moving. And as I sat there on the couch, I looked out the window and I mean, the wind wasn't blowing at all. Uh, trees weren't moving. The, the, the clouds were like frozen, almost a little picturesque, you know, because there was hardly any wind. It was a beautiful, sunny, uh, 80 degree day in Austin, Texas. And I'm looking out, or Buda, I'm looking out there over our field and everything's, nothing's moving. And I'm like, man, it's kind of hard to believe that we are hurling around this ball of fire at this amazing speed when my hair's not being blown back. The horses aren't, the house isn't doing this. We're just everything's still, everything seems so still. And I had the thought, man, it must be, it must be really hard. It must've been really hard for Galileo to convince the Roman Catholic church that we were moving because it's so hard to believe you're moving if you don't feel like you're moving. They said, nah, we're not moving around the sun. The sun's moving around us. We see the sun going like this. It keeps going like that. The sun's moving. We're not moving. I don't feel movement. Pastor, I don't feel like I'm moving. No, it's in him we live and in him we are moved. You don't have a choice in the matter. You, when, when you are in him, he, you're, not, you're not in the driver's seat. We're, we're not on the driver's seat of this planet. Otherwise, we, we would have got moving a long time ago away from the sun. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, would, I would just stay here. I would just go up and down right here. I wouldn't, I'd stop this whole going around business. Let's just go up and down right here, 75, 80 degrees. But you know you're moving because seasons are changing. You know you're moving here in Austin because today it's like 80 degrees at 1130 versus Six weeks ago, it was 105 degrees at 1130 in the morning. So we know we're moving. You can't feel the movement. You can't see the movement. But you know that the seasons are changing. And this is something that I believe with regard to movement, we need to understand that when God's trying to speak to you and to me, he doesn't often send emails. He doesn't often even send direct words to us. He just changes the season. Because this is he's communicating to the whole world. According to this book right here, whales start migrating in the spring. So let's just start with the spring. Whales start migrating in the spring. Well, who tells them to do that? Well, God, kind of. 
but God doesn't speak to them. God doesn't send them an email. He doesn't, he doesn't give them visions and dreams. He just changes the season. The water gets colder in certain parts. It gets warmer in other parts where there are more fish for the, the whales to eat. They start heading toward warmer water. God changes the season, and this is how he communicates to animals to come out of hibernation. These, these little, this little guy, I don't know what he is, but he's, he's down there, he's hibernating, and then, and then things, get, things start getting warmer, and it wakes him up because he's not comfortable down there anymore. He can't sleep down there anymore. He knows, he knows instinctively that it, he has to get up, and he has to go get some berries or nuts or whatever it is that he eats while he's still got time. And so, and so I just want to preach to some of you that it is in him we are moved. It is in him we are moving. And it's not your job to change the season or adjust the season. It's your job to figure out where God is moving you and what season you are in and how you ought to respond. The whole world responds to the movement of the planet. The whole planet is moving and then everything on the planet is responding to that movement. And this is what it is to obey God. This is what it is to be in him and to be moved by him. It is to respond to the movement that he's doing in your life. And so, and so, and, and so in the springtime, farmers come out and they start planting seed because they've learned that this is the time if you want to have something in the harvest, you've got to put something down in the springtime. So some of us are in a spring season. The church is kind of in a bit of a spring season, actually. We're putting some new stuff down into the ground. We're starting to come up out of hibernation, right? We can't sleep through this. Don't sleep through spring. It's a bad thing for you. All right. When it's time to go, you got to go. Spring is is spring like it's like you know like a, like, like a spring like get you up off your seat get you up off your chair get off the couch go do something start something so like even today after service at noon we are having a meeting because we feel like it's time to spring to to to, to spring into action of a youth ministry at city chapel uh take it to the 2.0 for the teenagers throughout the week so Peter and Jalisha and a few others have been doing that um, for the past couple of years. But man, it's, it's time to do something bigger, do something better, do something better, do something even more fun and more, more engaging. And it's a spring season. A.W. Tozer, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said that, that the, the, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And when you're in a spring season, you have a short, you better get going. You don't have time to think about it, to pray about it too long. You have to act on what you know you got to do. You got to put some stuff in the ground. You start sowing some things. And some of us are in a spring season. And some of us, though, we love spring season so much that we just try to stay in spring when God moves us on to summer. And summer is too late to plant stuff. You plant stuff in summer, it dies. It doesn't work. But in the summer, that's when you're sweating. That's when you're working the ground. That's when you're protecting what you've planted. That's when you're plowing. That's when you're getting, that's, that's when you're keeping everything going, even when you can't see the fruit of it. And it's the hardest work sometimes after a planting season is to just stay faithful to what you planted, to just keep plowing ahead, even though you're sweating, even though it's hot outside, even though you're dying, is to stay faithful in the midst of when you can't see anything coming up out of the ground. And if you're faithful through the sweat of summer, then God changes the season to harvest. And in the harvest, that's when you start seeing the fruit of what you planted or didn't plant. <laughs> but that's when you start seeing it. That's when it starts coming up. And harvest, everybody loves harvest. And if you want to get people excited in church, just start talking about harvest. And, and it is exciting. 
And it's wonderful to see, to see some results, you know? To see, like, man, we've been, we've been ministering to these people for so long, and now they're starting to move. Now they're starting to put their faith in God. Now they're starting to change their life around. Their family's being affected, and, and, the, and the church is growing. And, and it's exciting to see that kind of stuff, and it's wonderful. But the same God who, who moved you into harvest will move you into winter. Not to go all Game of Thrones on you, but winter is coming, okay? Winter is coming. And in, and, in, and in the winter season, man, you can't plant. You can't work. You can't harvest. In the winter season, according to this book, you pretty much stay inside all the time. Because it's too cold outside. The elements are too harsh. And some of us are in a winter season, a season of sorrow, a season of not being able to do what you used to be able to do, a season of not being able to plant what you used to be able to plant. And some of us are in that, are in that winter season, and it's time to hibernate, man. It's time to go underground. It's time to get some rest. God, I, I, just, I find it so fascinating that God created circles. We're always thinking in terms of destinations and lines, and, and we're trying to get to harvest. Well, guess what? You will get to harvest, but then as soon as you get to harvest, God's going to take you around to winter because God created circles. Everything's moving basically in a circular pattern. He did this. He multiplied this circular pattern throughout the world. I mean, we're talking the earth is spinning. We are on a circle to start off with, okay? We are on a circle. For all you flat earthers, you need to, you know, don't do drugs. Because <laughs> we're on a circle. Because you can start walking this way, catch a boat a couple times, and then, you know, after like a few years or whatever, you'll wind up here again. You're on a circle. There is no destination on a circle. You're standing on a circle. No matter what direction you walk, you're going to keep walking and walking and walking because God creates circles. He creates loops. And he multiplied that. The, the, the planet is spinning in a circle, and it's spinning around a giant circle that's on fire, going around in a circle, never stopping. He's not a destination God. He's not a let's go there God. He's a let's go there so that we can go here, so that we can go there, so that we can go here God. And he's constantly, it's in him that we are moved. And that's, and, and, and what happens is we kind of fall in love with a particular season or we fall in love with the sun, whatever feels warm to us. And we get close to it and we feel like we're close to God and we get far from it and we feel like we're far from God. But man, you got to trust the same God that's moving you through the winter is the same God that moved you into summer, is the same God that will move you into harvest, that, that, that it's about trusting being in him and not being on schedule of the season that you want to be in. And he's moving circles. I mean, even if you were to zoom in to the molecular level and you check out the atoms that are holding everything together, it's basically little tiny circles called protons and neutrons and quarks spinning around this other circle of energy that we don't even really know what it is yet. At the, at the, at the, at the subatomic level, we are circles going around circles because God is creating this pattern. He's not about destinations. He's about circles. So in him, we live and in him, we are moved. And we're, we, we like to camp out places, but God likes to, to move us in these, in these seasons. And in every season, though, the point is not the sun. The point is not the harvest. The point is not the hibernation. The point is being in him. If we stay in him, we keep moving through these seasons and we focus on him and we lock into him we feel him I could probably preach this better if everybody in here was a musician because when you're playing music you feel the rhythm 
don't feel it as well. That's why I have to do my head thing because that helps me stay on rhythm. My fingers don't feel it. My head feels it. So that's why when I'm playing keys, I'm doing this because I'm, 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 I'm keeping the rhythm because keyboard players are notorious for having awful rhythm. That's just, I don't know why. I don't know what that is. But it's, it's our cross to bear. And... But, but man, like when, you, when, you're, when you're feeling it, you're, you, you, you feel it. And, 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 and the only sin in a band, Jason, Jason, where are you? I'm preaching to Jason. <laughs> no, just kidding. Jason's, Jason's our drummer. Uh, but the only sin in a band is not just the drummer. Anybody can get off rhythm. That's the sin of a band when somebody gets off rhythm. Because all, all of a sudden you have competing rhythms. Right, and I'm trying to go slower, and so-and-so is so trying to go faster. Luckily, we never have that problem because we, we're all holy and sweet. We're sinless. We're a sinless band up here. But the sin of a band is to get off rhythm. And I, we, were, we were in practice the other day, and Noah was talking about, she's like, she's like so, some, some particular song, she's like, so when I say, she's like, I'm a little, you, you were talking about how you're a little nervous about telling us to go to the chorus too soon because she didn't want to say, hey, go to the chorus right now. And then we'd like, stop and just start playing the chorus you know she's like I don't want to mess you guys up and I said we're not stopping like you know you can you can shout chorus if you want but we're not we're not like we're like see things that man made they need buttons pushed because they're they're constantly at rest as far as I can tell everything God made is moving Everything God made is moving, except maybe rocks. I'm not smart enough to know if rocks, but rocks used to move, I know. Everything God made moves. Within trees, trees are growing. My hair is growing. You're sitting there. You're moving. You say, oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, your heart's beating. It's pumping blood through every part of your body. Literally, all of you is in constant movement, and it's a rhythm, too. If that heart gets off rhythm, you have problems. If it skips a beat or two, you got problems. If your lungs start skipping beats, and it's, it's all in rhythm, and there's this rhythm. I feel like God is a God of rhythm. I feel like God is a God of, of timer, of clicking. And it's, and it's going like this. And, and when, I'm, when I'm hearing from God, I'm not always getting direct messages from him. Sometimes I'm just feeling the rhythm that this is what he wants me to do in this season because this is the rhythm that he's in. And it's so, and it's so, and it's so easy sometimes. I feel like I'm cheating half the time because I'm, I'm listening to this rhythm of God. And, and, and when, you're, when, when the band is in rhythm, when it's in sync, man, like you can start improvising you can start playing whatever you want you can start doing whatever you want and and if and if Noah says we're going to go to a chorus that's cool we're going to work our way to the chorus you know what I'm saying we're not going to like hit the brakes and just start playing the chorus because we're in rhythm so rhythm always takes time to get to different things but 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 we're going to get there trust me but we're just going to we're just going to keep the rhythm we don't you don't want to kill the rhythm and I feel like this is the way God set up all of earth he set up all of earth in a particular rhythm, in a format. In, 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 in Genesis chapter 1, he told them, he set their seasons, he set the boundaries, he told, he told these things to reproduce in that way. And it's all in this rhythm, in this rhythm. And then he, he assigned, he assigned uh, mankind as the sort of metronome of earth. Wow. You know what a metronome is, right? It's that metal thing that, that keeps time. Tick, 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 tick. And it's almost like God, God assigned, because everything was in line. The cosmos were in line. The angels were in line. The earth was in line. And he put humans over, asked them to have dominion, to be the metronome of earth, to keep the rhythm, to keep it going, 
Just keep it going. Just keep it flowing. Just keep it flowing. Just keep it going. Just keep the rhythm. Meet with me. Walk with me in the coolness of the day so that we can keep it going. Because you got to hear from, from the key rhythm in order to keep the rhythm. And so as you keep hearing the drummer, the drumbeat of heaven, okay, we're going to keep it going here on earth. And the lion could lay down with the lamb because the lion and the lamb were playing the same rhythm. But what happened, a snake came into the garden and convinced Adam and Eve to, 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 to crash the rhythm. That's what sin is. It's a, it's a, it's a, dis, it's a discordant rhythm. It's a different beat than heaven. And, 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 and the snake said, no, no, you need, to, you need to get off onto this rhythm. You're on 2-4 time, but you need to come over here to 1-3 time. And so the snake had a different rhythm. They started listening to the different rhythm, and they, it threw them off, man. You just, you, you just try, as a musician, you try playing one song while listening to another. All three musicians. It's really hard. It's crazy difficult because there's a rhythm to a song. You get into the rhythm, you get in the pocket, you can't think of anything else. It's the rhythm, which is why it's kind of hard to transition from one song to another song up here on the stage because it's like, man, we were in that rhythm. Now we need to get over here to this rhythm. But man, when the snake started talking his rhythm, it threw off Adam and Eve and they couldn't hear the rhythm of God and they adopted his rhythm. And what it did is it messed up all of creation. All of creation is cursed. It's all on the wrong rhythm. And now we all got to make up our own rhythm. And we're all trying to get our own beat together. And we're fighting against each other. And the lion is trying to eat the lamb instead of laying down with the lamb. And, and, and we're not in harmony with nature anymore. Because we got our, and nature's afraid of us. And we're afraid of nature and, you know, sharks and stuff. And, and we, because we're all off on these different beats, we're not playing the same thing. And I feel like when, when he said it's in him that we live and in him we are moved, he wasn't just talking about physical movement. He was talking about the feeling of the rhythm that you feel, this, 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 the, the syncopation, if you will, of heaven. It's clicking and it's clicking and it's clicking. And it's so hard though because the rest of the world's on a different rhythm. And we have to go to the rest of the world. We have to listen to CNN or Fox, and they're all on the same rhythm. We have to go to our workplaces, and the people there are on this same rhythm. And there's a rhythm of the enemy, and there's a rhythm of the world that constantly throws off our, our beat. And the key, is, the key is, to, is to listen to the rhythm of heaven. The key is to get so close to God. The key is for praise to not just be a Sunday morning thing. Because that's the rhythm of heaven. That's the rhythm. All of heaven is praising God. All of heaven is thanking him. That's why ungratefulness throws off your rhythm because you jacks up your praise and then you get into a different rhythm. But all of heaven is praising God. All of heaven is worshiping him. And this is why praise is so powerful because it gets you back in line with the rhythm of heaven. You start feeling how worthy he is. You start feeling how good he's been to you. You start feeling how, 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 how much you love him and how much you want to be with him. And it's within those moments that you click into his rhythm. And it feels good at church, but man, you got to keep, you got to keep the rhythm. You got to keep it going. You got to keep the beat going on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and, and I don't I don't know if you have to listen to Christian music maybe that's helpful to you but whatever you have to do is good to stay in rhythm with heaven to stay on your knees to stay in praise and in worship because as the song said that's all it takes is that's all we got to do is to praise that's all we that's how we fight our battles we don't we don't we don't we don't we don't plant stuff in the winter time because you know you, well if I could just get this in the ground no stop like it's not about that it's about feeling the rhythm of heaven you might you maybe you should be hibernating right now maybe you maybe this is what God's telling you but you don't know if you're so intent on a particular activity you got to feel your way toward him you got to feel the rhythm of God you got to feel the rhythm of heaven 
and fill up your heart with praise so that you, when you hear this other rhythm, see, people that run into you ought to look at you funny. When they're on another rhythm, they ought to be like, what? What's going on? <laughs> they kind of march into a beat of a different drummer. Yeah, we are. We are marching to a beat of a heaven drum, of a heaven beat, of a heaven rhythm. And it's life-giving. It's life-giving. It's, it's, it's life-giving when, it, when it, God only makes us suffer summer for like three months and then he gives us some relief and football and pumpkin spice latte. and It's life-giving. It's life-giving to just let that season go. It's life-giving to, to feel the season that you're in and say, okay, so what am I supposed to be doing in this season? And it's just natural what you're supposed to be doing because it's the rhythm. You feel it. You see things growing out there and you have to go pull them out and get, bring them in. It's this rhythm. Would you just pray with me for just a minute as we get ready to be dismissed? Lord, I, I thank you for this group of people and what you're doing in our hearts. It's in you that we move, and we are moved. And for every season of the soul, for every season of the soul, Lord, we choose to be in you. For every season of the soul, we choose to connect with the rhythm of heaven. For every season of the soul, we choose to worship you. Whether we're in a sorrowful season, we choose to worship you. You're still good, no matter what we've lost or what we're going through. For those of us that are in the winter time and, and nothing seems to be growing, it doesn't seem like we can do anything, it seems like we're stuck, okay? So we're going to rest in you. We're going to hibernate in you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rest in the fact that you hold all things together by the word of your power. You are holding this, this giant ball that we're on and this circle that we're on. This season is not forever, but this season, there is a purpose for this season. Lord, may we rest when we're supposed to rest. May we, may we take a break when we're supposed to take a break. Some, some of us in a season of springtime. God, may we take advantage of it. May we take advantage of it. May we not sleep in springtime. In winter, it's, it's a horrible idea to make major decisions. Should never make major, because all the trees look dead. Yes. As my pastor used to say, don't cut down trees in the winter. They all, none of them have leaves on them. Don't make any major decisions. Decisions just rest. But in the springtime, you see what's actually alive. You see what's actually coming alive. You see what's actually real and what's not. And you can see what, what decisions you need to make. God, may we, may we make that distinction in springtime. May we make some moves. For those of us that are in a summer season, God, may we keep working. Give us strength. Give us, give us focus on what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. Plowing ahead here without seeing the fruit of it. God, may we just lock into you. For those of us in a, in a fall season, in a harvest season, God, help us to be busy about your business. Help us to be busy about it. Help us to give you praise. <laughs> Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, we give you praise. We worship and adore you. You're good. You're faithful. Why don't you just worship him right now right where you're at? We don't have a song going, but if you would just if you would just raise your hands or close your eyes or focus on his greatness, I I promise you'd start to feel the rhythm of heaven.